1: Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. Guys, the 2019 Italian Grand Prix was absolutely epic all throughout the three days. Uh, We have to talk about it, Kunal.
0: Yes, absolutely. What a Grand Prix, what a driver, what brilliant defense against Lewis Hamilton, and above all else, what a crowd.
1: It was absolutely crazy. And I know we have so much to talk about from Monza and other stories, but lap 23 of the Italian Grand Prix, Charles Leclerc defending against Lewis Hamilton, Gunalbi, let's talk about that, it was crazy.
0: Well, forget my view, a lot of our listeners would be, you know, their views would be dependent on who they support. So if you're a Lewis Hamilton supporter, you'd go with the FIA being lenient and inconsistent and all of that. But if you're a Charles Leclerc supporter or a Ferrari supporter, you will believe that the FIA were fair.
1: Blah, 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 Kunal. I know you're just ducking my question. What is your view?
0: Honestly, I am neutral because my love for Formula One is more than, you know, my personal driver and team preferences and biases. So I'd still say that the FIA was sensible.
1: Sensible because they didn't want a police escort.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Toto Wolf and all of that. But no, sensible because it was a hard move. You know, one that was worthy of a warning rather than a penalty. It was a warning required to tell Charles that he can't do it again. And you know, the FIA's ruling actually allowed Lewis and Charles to continue racing. They allowed the driver's talent to decide the eventual winner instead of a rule book.
1: leclerc keeps referring to how Austria has uh, changed his whole approach to driving. I think Austria has also changed the FIA's approach towards rulings in such Wheel-to-wheel combats. Absolutely. And Kunal, I'd say that this change is for the good of the sport. Well so, yeah.
0: Yes, so in this week's episode, we discuss with you who Nico Rosberg's next target will be.
1: And ladies and gentlemen, we have a What Wolf Said This Week section.
0: It makes a comeback,
1: Yeah, and we're going to talk about Sebastian Vettel because yes, guys, he needs to be talked about.
0: And we've actually got bites from Charles Leclerc and Kevin Magnusson, ones that you will definitely enjoy as this episode grows on to you. Guys, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, Google Podcasts and everywhere else for your weekly dose of Formula One humor.
1: Guys, uh, Kunal, so let's go back to the Lewis Hamilton-Charles Leclerc discussion. So Leclerc said that he learned better after Austria. Basically, after Max Verstappen threw a really aggressive move at him. Mm -hmm. And we saw how aggressive Leclerc versus Verstappen was in Silverstone.
0: And in Monza and in Defeat, I was impressed with Lewis Hamilton's statement. He said that he's learning from Charles. He's learning how to race against Charles. And, you know, given that this was literally the first time they battled. And Lewis Hamilton also said that he will change his approach after Monza. This basically means that
1: Verstappen is teaching all the other drivers how to race hard.
0: (laughs) Well, you can say that. Yeah, Yeah,
1: Leclerc learned from Verstappen in Austria. Now Hamilton learned from Leclerc in Monza. So Max Verstappen is single-handedly changing Formula (laughs) 1. I wonder who's going to learn from Hamilton now, you know, just taking that forward.
0: Well, I'm learning how to make Insta stories from Lewis Hamilton. (laughs) and Learning how not to use a lot of plastic. He is a global crusader, but... That is a great observation that, you know, Max Verstappen is single-handedly changing Formula One. And this is especially after the FIA, you know, ironically deemed uh, Verstappen as sort of a dangerous driver when he initially came into the sport. Remember how many times he was (laughs) penalised? I wonder
1: who the joke's on now, but yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and you know, Hamilton has said that if it had not been for his title hopes, he would have relented against Charles Leclerc and they would have crashed. And, you know, all of this sounds a little weird to me because he was sort of implying that it is okay to crash if you're not fighting for the title.
1: Interesting. (laughs) And uh, Hamilton Verstappen actually ganged up against Nico Rosberg. And I think it seems like it was a little bit too much for Nico Rosberg himself to handle.
0: So we we may never see a Hamilton Verstappen partnership at a team, but <laughs> at least they've ganged up against the Nico Rosberg.
1: <laughs> yeah, and in his latest video, Rosberg actually said good things about Sebastian Vettel. That... Or,
0: or was it Rubens Barrichello?
1: <laughs> hint, hint. Anyway, he said that Vettel's a four times world champion. Blah blah blah. Nice words.
0: You know, honestly, I am not falling for Rosberg's goody good ways just yet. I'm going to wait till the viewership of his videos drop because that's when he could probably spring a surprise. And then that's when I wonder, you know, who would Nico Rosberg's next target be? Could it be Charles Leclerc, you know, the winner of Spa and Monza?
1: Yeah, I mean, Rosberg has already talked down Verstappen, Vettel, Hamilton. So I guess from the front runners, it's only Charles Leclerc.
0: Well, you know what? It was we who called Nico Rosberg the next Sharks we love. And guess what? The whole paddock has now caught on. Welcome to our world, guys. <laughs>
1: Thanks, guys. Y'all are welcome, I guess, for <laughs> that. Anyway, Nico Rosberg, literally, to me, he seems like a teenager who badly needs attention. And he's getting a lot of it on our podcast. So again, Nico Rosberg, you're welcome.
0: And, that, and the teenager that he is, he brought David Coulthard into the fight. And he said, you know, how he despised what Coulthard's comments were when he was racing, etc, etc.
1: Yeah, I think this is typical teenage argument tactics again. Bring a random and irrelevant third person into the argument to prove your point. Or just confuse everyone, you know, if that doesn't work. Anyway, I wonder what Kimi Raikkonen would say if Nico Rosberg took him on.
0: (laughs) Of course.
1: That was that obvious. Was, that was obvious. <laughs> that
0: was Kimi Raikkonen style. But what do you think uh, George Russell would say if Nico Rosberg took him on?
1: Yeah, I think he's just going to wa- blame the Williams,
0: you know? <laughs> Easy you know. <laughs> George Russell is talented and I still remember his lap in Hungary. You know, but his standard approach, I have noticed this season, has been to point out how slow his Williams is.
1: How do you think uh, Kevin Magnussen would react if Nico Rosberg took him on, Kunal?
0: Well, you know, honestly, I don't think I want to go there. I think even Rosberg doesn't want to go against an outspoken Kevin Magnussen because we all know what Magnussen could actually tell him. Maybe if Rosberg doesn't know, he could, you know, ask his namesake, uh, Nico Hulkenberg, <laughs> what the... Oh,
1: yeah, <laughs> that didn't go down so well. But you know what? When I last met Kevin Mac- Magnussen, and that was, what, just at the Belgian Grand Prix Spa, I asked him if Formula 1 drivers were friends and what he thought of this whole silly season and he had some really interesting things to say.
2: You know, I'm, I'm not in Formula 1 to, just to be in Formula 1. It's not good going into every race weekend knowing that you cannot win. There's no way. You, you will not go for pole position and you will not win. Knowing that is very demotivating. And the only thing that's really keeping it alive is the is, is the dream of, of winning the world championship one day. But it's always very distant, and uh, that that gets tough. You know, it's six years ago that I won my last race in a race car, that's tough. I never thought that would happen, and you know, I miss winning. I miss the whole mentality and and your that kind of uh, spirit and and. The, the mindset that you have when you're fighting for wins and championships, I miss that whole world and uh, I feel like I've been out of, uh, of that world for, for too long now. So I'm very much looking beyond uh, 2021 and, and looking at that change to see uh, what will happen because um, I'm not going to stick around if I won't have any chance you know, it's, it's too random whether or not you get the chance, you know, Bottas didn't expect to get get that chance and, and he only got it because Rosberg uh, decided to retire last minute and, uh, you know, he deserves it. You know, he's obviously shown that he is well worthy of it and I think that says a lot as well. There's drivers outside of the top teams that can win races and fight for championships. So, um, it's just too random really and and you, you don't have enough control of, of your dest, uh, destiny as a driver if you're not in a top team it, it's more down to other circumstances and uh, it should be down to your own performance and consistency and, uh, and talent there's, n- there's not many people not many drivers are friends uh, off the track uh, and you know we, we say hi to each other when we see each other on the driver's parade or whatever but
0: well, I must thank Kevin Magnussen for such interesting perspectives, you know, especially about how difficult the silly season is for midfield drivers.
1: I really liked specifically how Magnussen spoke about missing the winning feeling. And Kunal, that's something midfield drivers literally can't even dream about these days.
0: Anyway, back to some of my notes from Monza. There were pictures of Vettel going all over the internet, you know, when he apologised to Lance Stroll. You know, this is after Vettel's lousy and unsafe attempt To rejoin the race
1: yeah i know a lot of you saw that picture and thought oh how humble and how nice of vettel to apologize immediately but guys let me tell you sebastian vettel had no business to rejoin the way he did he actually put the sport at risk for those many uh, seconds or minutes
0: you know when i saw the picture i thought to myself wow one more driver that sebastian vettel has apologized to this season and I wonder how many drivers, I think he's probably apologised to half of the grid already. And that's such a strange <laughs> tactic.
1: That's a strange but true statistic. But yeah, I'll tell you, I liked how Vettel just sprung open Stroll's visor to look at him in the eye and speak. But Kunal, you know, I must ask you about your favourite topic. Just Sebastian Vettel need a sport <laughs> psychologist.
0: <laughs> well, honestly, I hope he's really working with Formula Medicine or whoever he's working with. Because not just Vettel, I believe every person in the world can benefit from a sports psychologist, let alone every athlete.
1: True, I see the Formula Medicine stand in the Ferrari motorhome every time I go visiting, so I'm sure Vettel's noticed it too at least.
0: Yes, but jokes aside, I really hope Vettel's not reading any of the news and even more so any social media comments. Because apart from his mistakes, there's an overdose of articles on how Vettel could actually get a race ban.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know that sounds highly impossible, but it seems likely it's Sebastian Vettel. (laughs) But Kunal, I really wish that the legend of Sebastian Vettel doesn't end up this way. I mean, it just seems like such a shame because uh, him being remembered for his mistakes and his spins and, you know, all the apologizing rather than his four glorious titles.
0: You know, I probably believe Vettel's just turned very philosophical, you know, very sagely, if that's the word I can use. He seems very content with what he's achieved and sort of is missing that firepower, that aggression or whatever you call it. And it's clear that he's racing because he loves Formula 1 and he loves Ferrari. But I don't know what this could lead to.
1: Do you think Vettel can bounce back?
0: Well, yes, I think he can bounce back. He will bounce back. But that could mean, you know, winning an odd race here or there or getting a pole position or something of that sort. But can he bounce back to win his fifth title? That seems more than just a miracle, at least at the moment.
1: Uh, At Ferrari's 90th uh, anniversary celebration, uh, Vettel made it pretty clear that he intends to stay at Ferrari for the upcoming years.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the event when Fernando Alonso was missing in attendance and had, you know, barely a pixel of space in the official (laughs) event banner. But I think Vettel, uh, you know, will be at Ferrari till the end of his contract, which is till the end of next season. Uh, His extension will, of course, depend on his form and, of course, if Max Verstappen is available for signing because Verstappen has gone and made a statement.
1: Yeah, that's a big if because uh, Verstappen, you know, he gave a huge hint to all of us when he said that he could be teammates with Leclerc. I mean, although I wish that doesn't happen, Kunal, because from Formula 1's perspective, I think it would be really good to have the best drivers spread across the different teams, you know?
0: Yes, I mean, we asked a few weeks ago and I will ask the question again. With which team will Max Verstappen have his record-breaking Formula 1 career with? Right now, we don't have the answer, which is why we keep asking the question.
1: (laughs) But guys, that was a really exciting episode on our podcast. Go tune in if you all haven't already. But Kunal, I guess this is the right time on our podcast to let our listeners know that Red Bull Racing has expressed interest in continuing with Honda after 2020. Yes. That's a big one. And also, speaking of Red Bull Racing, Helmut Marko revealed that there was a scope for Red Bull Racing to sign, wait for it, Lewis Hamilton in 2012. And if this had happened... Hamilton and Vettel would have been partners in the years that Vettel won his titles. Like,
0: Well, I think the bigger revelation or shocking revelation was when uh, Pastor Maldonado said that he almost signed up for Ferrari in 2014 instead of Kimi Raikkonen.
1: That's crazy. But what was also more shocking was that when he revealed that back in his time, he was like the Verstappen of Formula <laughs> One.
0: <laughs> okay, Pastor, whatever it is you're smoking... Enough, that's it, give it up.
1: But then again, he did win a race, so... Yeah,
0: okay. And please, pastor, feel free to unblock me on Twitter. I mean, no harm, I'm just having some fun. (laughs) Like we all are on the Inside Line F1 podcast.
1: Yeah, just like we have our fun with our What Wolf Said This Week section.
0: So, you got some dope, it seems, for this week as well.
1: Yeah, of course, I've been like really excited about it. So, Wolf said that if the FIA had given Leclerc a penalty, they would have required police escorts out of Monza.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a bit too dramatic, like like, <laughs> like Mr. Wolf can get.
1: Yeah, I mean, he said penalizing a Ferrari driver would have been, meant like hell for the FIA. And that's just when they actually penalized a Ferrari driver in the race. Guys, remember uh, Vettel's penalty? <laughs>
0: yeah, he had like the most severe in-race penalty, a 10-second stop-go penalty.
1: Yeah, unfortunately no one like remembers Sebastian Vettel <laughs> these days. It's like Vettel Even when that. he gets a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wolf also revealed one of Bottas's weaknesses. He said that Bottas is unable to extract the most from his Mercedes while following another car.
0: You know, and I think Monza actually showed us this very problem, I must say that Hamilton's chase of Charles Leclerc for those 43 laps was phenomenal in every way. And especially given the issues around this year's cars and tyres and all of that, you know, Hamilton pulled one out of the bag when it was needed the most and unfortunately Valtteri Bottas couldn't.
1: Yep. Kunal, I'm usually very possessive about this section, but do you have something to add in the what Wolf said this week section?
0: No, but I do have something to add for my what Nico said this week section. Oh, we're
1: competing now, are we? (laughs) Well,
0: Nico Rosberg's toning down of his comments, you know, especially on his former colleagues, as he calls them, means that this section might just run dry for a few weeks. (laughs) So you might win the battle, but I actually have something for this week at least. So Nico Rosberg joked that if Vettel got a race ban, he wouldn't mind stepping in for Ferrari.
1: My god, he's literally just chasing drives everywhere he can. Uh, He also tweeted uh, this was to uh, Elon Musk offering to drive the Model S around the Nürburgring.
0: But you know, can you actually imagine? Okay, I'd I'd love to see Nico drive the Tesla Model S around the (laughs) Nürburgring and get a lap time and all of that. But yeah, but can you imagine if Vettel actually gets a race ban? He would join an illustrious list of drivers that includes Romain Grosjean. Okay, and just when it could go from worst to worstest. <laughs> if that's actually a word in the Sebastian Vettel dictionary.
1: And I'm also thinking if Vettel actually does get a race ban, uh, will Giovinazzi get the call-up to race for Ferrari? Or will it actually be, what, Kimi Raikkonen?
0: Yeah, you're in just a, hoping. It's yeah, there. a
1: Raikkonen look like pairing. Who knows? Can't Even say. if it's
0: for a race, yeah. right? But for all you know, it could be Brendan Hartley or Pascal Wehrlein who could be called up. You know, Ferrari have a list of reserve drivers on their roster. And, I, you know, they could even bring back uh, Mark Cheney. We saw him in Monza. Oh, yeah. They could bring back Giancarlo Fisichella, for all we know. Because they've always sort of had these veteran drivers they could, you know, call out. Luca Badu, or of course, I don't know if he's still around.
1: Great. So, Kunal, final thoughts. In fact, you know what, let's talk about Renault.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Renault's best-ever result in Formula 1 at Monza since their return, 4th and 5th, Ricardo ahead of Hülkenberg. I think they've gone a little overboard in celebrations, though, just because they got one race result. Good race result helps them in the Constructors' Championship. Uh, They say that they have proved their critics wrong, but their biggest critics have been their drivers. And, you know, especially when it came to down-talking the entire package and the engine.
1: Yeah, but you know, for all you know, their engines could just blow up in Singapore. (laughs) So I hope they recorded their uh, Netflix episode in Monza.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I (laughs) mean, you know, they would have probably done it at the French Grand Prix, which was also the most boring race for all we know.
1: But Redo do have a ton of critics starting from their drivers themselves.
0: Yeah and I wonder if being critical has possibly cost Nico Hulkenberg his drive at Renault because I'll be honest, I was surprised to hear Alan Frost not say not so good things about Hulkenberg in public. He said that Hulkenberg is a negative driver and labelled him a pessimist. Wow,
1: Kunal, I think just because the four times world champion has spoken, uh, and I don't mean Sebastian Vettel, <laughs> everyone <laughs> will listen and take note. But the truth is that Nico Hulkenberg was also made promises that Renault didn't keep. Yes. And uh, funnily enough, it was Prost who revealed that Renault had actually offered Hulkenberg a one-year contract extension that Hulkenberg decided to reject.
0: You know, it's just possibly a case of sour grapes, and who knows, you yeah. know Renault not being liked to be rejected because they yeah, are the bigger team, the bigger brand, the bigger whatever you call it but i'm not sure where hulkenberg is headed but leaving renault could be a blessing in disguise like we've said in the last couple of episodes
1: absolutely and uh, Prost said that 2020 will be a tough year for renault and kunal no points for guessing who's being negative now huh <laughs> oh wait no uh we can also label such comments as being practical i guess well
0: renault will blame 2021's new rules for them not focusing on 2020
1: yeah, I think that's that's definitely what's going to happen. And then in 2021 they'll say that they were so distracted with 2020. It goes either way. Or they'll say it's the <laughs> it's the
0: arrival of the new rules and we'll need a couple of more years and all of that. But for all, you know, there's also talk about Renault pulling out. So we can move on from yeah. there.
1: <laughs> and uh, you know what? Let's talk about Charles Leclerc. Because finally, after his wins in Spa and Monza, uh, Leclerc said that he hoped he'd silenced his critics. Um, Kunal, I don't think Charles Leclerc had any critics whatsoever in the sport since ever.
0: Yes. And, you know, we should actually thank the late Sergio Marcioni for his masterstroke. You know, uh, he actually did try and pull in a lot of critics when he was sort of a early double promoted to Ferrari and all of that. But here's an interesting bite from Charles Leclerc himself from when he appeared on our podcast last year. Uh, I'm not so famous yet, so. <laughs> you get mobbed on the streets at yeah. times? Ah,
3: yeah, in Monaco, but uh, <laughs> it's not like I'm a superstar. So uh, this is fine, but then obviously there are a lot, there's a lot of pressure. Uh, but for me, you don't get better at handling the pressure once you are 30 years old and once you are 20 or, or you are good at it or, or you can't handle it and uh, for me it's an error for the people to think that with the with the age you get better at this uh, you can definitely get better at, at, at other things but if you handle the pressure once you arrive in form one you, you will handle the, the, the pressure anywhere uh, i think my my mental strength has been a uh, has been uh, my weak point ten years ago, uh, but I've worked extremely hard on it, and obviously with the uh, events uh, that uh, unfortunately I, I, I've had to suffer in the last two years, it has made me grown a lot. Uh, and I think now that my mental strength is actually my uh, uh, my biggest strength, wow. uh, which is uh, which is I think very important for for Formula One and. Uh, and I believe that if you don't have this mental strength, you can't really succeed because, with all the, the pressure you have around you, uh, if you are not strong mentally, uh, it's quite easy to, uh, to fall down.
0: All right. So, since you mentioned you worked on it, any specific ways in which you worked on building a mental strength. Did you work with a sports psychologist or something? Yeah,
3: exactly. I mean, uh, I was in Formula Medicine very, very early. That has learned me many things. Uh, it's quite difficult to go into details because it's quite pushed. Uh, but then also with the Ferrari Drivers Academy, uh, they are working a lot on the on the on the mental side, and that has uh, helped me massively. So uh, yeah, with uh, we both of these uh, programs, I've managed to uh, I've managed to grow a lot.
1: Wow, it just seems unreal how life for Leclerc has changed in the span of, what, just a year. Now, Kanal, he's like, what, a superstar?
0: Oh, he's definitely a superstar who's already been on our show.
1: That's why he's a superstar. (laughs) What do you think I meant?
0: (laughs) On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next week, just before the Singapore Grand Prix. Bye-bye. Adios. Adios.